Well, praise the Lord. Thank you, Ivan, for that good special. I invite you to take your Bible and open to Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Matthew chapter 27. Over in Paris is one of the most famous museums in all the world. It's called the Louvre. And it houses some of the world's greatest art pieces. On Tuesday, August 22nd, 1911. That was about three weeks before my father was born. He was born September 13th, 1911. But on Tuesday, August 22nd, 1911, French oil painter Louis Beroul walked into the Louvre and suddenly noticed that the Mona Lisa was missing. It was not in its frame. The Mona Lisa was not even in the Louvre. It had been stolen. The Mona Lisa had been stolen. Well, right away, the Louvre shut down for a week while in the police investigated. They soon arrested a French artist and threw him in jail. But as it turned out, he wasn't the thief. Two years later, the police caught the real thief and recovered the Mona Lisa. Now, Mona may be back in the Louvre, but Jesus left the tomb on the third day and he's never been back. Hallelujah. It's Resurrection Sunday and we're going to talk about the empty tomb. Would you bow your head in prayer with me? Loving Heavenly Father, we thank you that we serve a risen Savior. We thank you that Jesus is alive. He's not in the tomb. He is risen, as he said. Praise your holy name. Help us today to remember again that this is the, the whole reason for our joy, our hope. We serve a risen Savior. Father, speak with our hearts today. In Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. Well, in the scriptures, Matthew 27, verse 57, and when, when the even was come, there came a rich man of Arimathea named Joseph, who also himself was Jesus' disciple. He went to Pilate and begged the body of Jesus. Then Pilate commanded the body to be delivered. And when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb which he had hewn out in the rock and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. A tomb. What is a tomb? A tomb is a place where they bury the dead. The word tomb is from a Latin word, tumeta, and it means to swell up. And the idea here is sort of a mound or rock out of the earth into which a hole is dug and the dead body is laid. Here in Matthew 27, verse 60, it tells us that Joseph had prepared his own tomb and he'd hewn out of the rock. The Greek word for rock is Petra. In Matthew chapter 16, the Lord Jesus said, Thou art Peter. That's the Greek word Petra. Uh, pet, I'm sorry, Petros. Petros. And Petros is a small pebble or small stone. Petra is a large rock, a large boulder, a large 
even a mountain. And Lord Jesus said, Thou art Petros, and upon this Petra, referring to himself, I will build my church. Praise the Lord. Well, here in Matthew 27, 60, is where they laid the body of Jesus. They laid his body in a tomb, a hewn out rock. Why did they do that? Because he was dead. That's why they did it. He died and they had to bury him. Back in the 1960s, there was a, a popular movement in American theology. It arose and it was known as the death of God movement or God is dead movement. And many people started carrying these placards, these signs saying God is dead. In fact, in 1966, it was, it was featured on the front page of Time magazine. God is dead. Imagine that. What an outrageous thought. God is dead. And yet, beloved, in a sense, that's exactly what happened 2,000 years ago when they nailed our Savior to the cross. And they stood back and they watched him die. God died on the cross. God is dead. That's what happened. You know, the Lord Jesus is Messiah. And he came unto his own, but his own received him not. And literally they said, we will not have this man to reign over us. He came. He finally came, their long-awaited Messiah. But they rejected him. And forced the Roman government to crucify him. And he died. Now. The Pharisees had a, a new problem. And they were about to use all their power and all their influence. To make sure that Jesus Christ stays dead. And he stays in the grave. If you look at verse 62. Now the next day that followed the day of the preparation, the chief priests and Pharisees came together unto Pilate, saying, Sir, we remember that that deceiver, you see, that's what they called Jesus. They called him a deceiver. Some people still call him that today. We remember that that deceiver said, while he was yet alive, after three days I will rise again. Command, therefore, that the sepulchre be made sure unto the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say unto the people, he is risen from the dead. So the last error shall be worse than the first. Pilate said unto them, ye have a watch, go your way, make it as sure as ye can. So they went and made the sepulcher sure, sealing the stone and setting a watch. And so the Pharisees went to tremendous lengths and they used all their power and their influence to seal Christ into the grave, into the tomb. They knew which tomb he was in. There was no mistake. They knew where to go and they sealed that tomb and they put their guards around it. But they could not keep Jesus in the tomb. That's the point of it. They couldn't keep him in the tomb. It was impossible. They didn't have enough power. 
They were trying to overpower Almighty God. My friend, you cannot overpower God. There is nothing you can do. You have not the power. What are you going to use for power? <laughs> are, 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 you, are you going to use uh, 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 fire? He commands fire to come down from heaven. Are you going to use water? He'll just walk on the water. Death cannot keep Jesus Christ in the grave. It is impossible because Christ rose from the dead. He is alive today, nevermore to return to the grave. Never. Poor old Lazarus. He died. Christ brought him back. He had to die again. Poor fellow. Not Jesus. Not at all. You know, in Romans chapter 6 and verse 10, it says, for in that he died, he died unto sin once. Once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Let's look at chapter 28. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, that's Sunday, by the way, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning and his raiment white as snow. And for fear of him, the keepers did shake and became as dead men. Here are these trained guards with their armor and their weapons. And they were so scared that they swooned, they fainted, like they fell asleep. Now, we're told that Jesus was put in a tomb, and yet a couple of times they make reference to something called a sepulcher. What is a sepulcher? The word sepulcher is a, well, it's a noun. It, it comes from a, a Latin verb, sepelire, and it means to bury, to bury. And so a sepulcher is simply a burial place. The word tomb gives this particular burial place more physical description. And so now, here come the women. Verse 1, in the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. You know the story, I'm sure you do. Now, Remember, they thought that Jesus was still dead. Remember back in the 1960s, what I told you about the God is dead movement. And so these women thought that God is dead, that Jesus is dead. And they were coming to do a proper burial. He was buried in haste. And they wanted to come and do a proper burial burial and so they're thinking he's dead and they were wondering also how they were going to roll that huge big stone out of the way they were they were uh, puzzling over all of this now by the way before we we uh, get get on the, the case of the ladies here let's not forget something that all the other disciples 
They thought Jesus was dead too. They thought he stayed dead. All of the disciples thought Jesus was dead because dead people, you see, don't come back to life. They don't come out of their graves. Did you know that there are Christians today who act as if their Savior is still dead? They're not walking with him daily and talking with him daily. They're behaving, they're acting as if Jesus is still dead. That's no way to live a Christian life. That's the recipe for failure. That's the recipe for self-destruction. That's the recipe for depression and discouragement. The story is told hundreds of years ago of Martin Luther, who was going through a particularly difficult time in his ministry. And he was very glum and he was very sad. And his wife noticed this and she wanted to help her poor husband. And every day he was just so consumed with his troubles and his problems in his ministry. And so one morning she dressed up in black as if she was going to a funeral and she put a veil over her face and she came downstairs to breakfast. And he looked up at her and said, why are you dressed like that? And she said to him, oh, Martin, haven't you heard? No, what? She said, God is dead. He scoffed. He laughed. He said, foolish woman, God cannot die. And she lifted the veil and said, then my husband, why do you go about acting as if he's dead? And Martin Luther was shaken by this sermon. And he realized, I have been doing exactly that. I've been living so close with my problems and, and not seeing the God who is able to fix problems. And he immediately corrected his behavior and he thanked God for his wonderful wife. Look in chapter 28 and verse 5. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. He is not here, for he is risen, as he said. Come, see the place where the Lord lay, and go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you, into Galilee, there shall ye see him. Lo, I have told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring his disciples word. And as they went to tell his disciples, behold, Jesus met them saying, all hail. And they came and held him by the feet and worshiped him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not afraid. Go, tell my brethren that they go into Galilee. And there shall they see me. What happened here? What happened? Why, Jesus came out of the grave. He came out of the tomb, out of the sepulcher. He came out. What does that mean? It means the tomb is empty. Amen. Hallelujah. 
He is risen. Someone type in, He is risen indeed. Quickly. Ha ha. Praise the Lord. Oh, we serve a risen Savior. He's in the world today. Oh, isn't that wonderful, beloved? And He walks with me and He talks with me. Isn't that great? Listen, I've had fellowship with Him this morning and early this morning, and I've been walking with Him these hours. I know He's alive. I told you previous that a week ago, Monday, April the 6th, was my 45th spiritual birthday. That's when I first met Jesus. Listen, it's been over 45 years now that I've known Him, walking and talking with Him, talking over my troubles, asking Him His advice, His counsel, reading His Word and hearing His blessed voice to my heart. This couldn't happen if the tomb was not empty. The tomb is empty. Do you catch the significance? The good news, the tomb is empty. The tomb is empty. Praise the Lord, the tomb is empty. I'm telling you something. Every founder of every world religion eventually dies and is buried. And they stay buried. They stay in the grave. But Jesus Christ is not in the grave. He came up out of the tomb, out of the grave. And the tomb is now empty. Praise the Lord. Up from the grave he arose with a mighty triumph o'er his foes. Death could not keep him. Praise the Lord. He's alive today. Do you know him, my friends? Do you know him personally? Is he your, your friend, your best friend? Do you, do you walk with him and talk with him? Did you spend time with him this morning in secret? Listen, my friend, how is it going? How is it going in your Christian life? How is it going? Are you behaving as if Jesus is still in the tomb? Have you been letting the things of this world get to you? The problems of this world? What's happening with your job? What's happening with your cash flow? What's happening with your health? What's happening in your family? Are there problems? Are these problems too much for you? Is your Savior still in the tomb? Oh, you know better than that. Jesus is alive. He's promised never to leave us nor forsake us. And he says that all power belongs to him. And we can take our troubles to Jesus. Like what we learned this little earlier this morning. To pray. Calling upon him in the day of trouble. That's what we learned. That was our second word. For this second Sunday. Pray. Pray. Now perhaps I'm speaking to someone who does not yet know Jesus Christ as his or her personal Savior. That's a shame. You don't know what you're missing. You don't know the thrill of living life with a living God. But it can be yours because he's promised whosoever will may come. The Lord has promised that if you will Confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God hath raised him from the dead. You too shall be saved. 
My friend, if you would go to God in prayer and confess your sin to him and admit to him your sinfulness and ask Jesus to forgive you and to be your Lord and your Savior, he will do it for you if you will let him. That's the best news in the whole world. That's, the, that's better news than being cured of coronavirus. That's far better news. You see, coronavirus can make you sick and it can even kill you. But sin can send you to hell. And Jesus died for your sin. Oh, will you trust him? Will you trust him today to be your savior? My Christian friend, will you get back to walking with Jesus? Spend the time in the morning. Some secret time with him. Get alone with him. Pour your heart out with him. Listen, my friend, the tomb is empty. We've got every reason in the world to rejoice and to be happy because our Savior conquered death. And because of that, so will we. He is our guarantee. Our guarantee. An empty grave is there to prove my Savior lives. 